We are less than three weeks out from the start of the Rugby World Cup, which you can all catch the action here on SENZ. And part of that commentary team will be Scotty Stevenson, who will call games alongside the likes of Justin Marshall and Christian Cullen. There are still plenty of unknowns heading into this World Cup. We've got a clearer look at the depth, particularly the Northern Hemisphere teams over the weekend, in another slate of warm-up games. And uh, Scotty joins us now for the, a bit of analysis, a bit of an overall, actually, as we're just uh, 19 days away from kick-off All Blacks v France. Good morning to you, sir. Yep, good morning, Smithy. Great to chat to you, mate. And your sermon is erudite, as eloquent as ever this morning. What a tournament <laughs> that was. That was just the most spectacular thing, um, Scotty. I mean, uh, we're going to, you know, the feeling will dissipate, obviously, but, you know, it's still, uh, having been, and you've uh, done exactly the same thing, been a while, a long, involved in a lot of world sporting events, so I, I can't think of it, uh, how it could have gone too much better. I, I totally agree with you, and, and to watch Eden Park sold out, and speaking to Nick Saunton, the CEO at Eden Park, and just how chuffed he was with the attendances and how everything came about, and then, and then watching that final last night, somebody, I had to, I had to see the tournament through, um, and it was a fantastic spectacle from uh, from the opening whistle through to the final. I thought it had everything that final last night. Yeah, it did actually. It really did. We'll talk to Jacob Spoonley about that after 10 o'clock. Uh, Scotty England, uh, the England rugby side uh, couldn't be more far removed from uh, uh, the way things are going. If you look at, if you, if you look at um, them three weeks out, uh, it looks like they're going to lose Billy Vunapola as well. We don't know the outcome of the Farrell thing, but it, it looks as if world mm-hmm. rugby will dictate that. Uh, what a mess for Steve Borthwick. Well, it is a mess, Smithy, and I was trying hard to think about this um, last night when, when Joe gave me a call and, and asked to have a chat with you, and, and I, I was thinking about the Billy Vunipola shoulder to the head, and look, it's exactly the same situation as Farrell. There's no way he should get off, and um, I think George Moala set the benchmark for that, but Farrell's got to go. Uh, he is a recidivist, possibly the worst in the game when it comes to high shots. Uh, now, this is the captain, the leader of the side, who's doing that, who's just not learning the lesson. And then Bully Vunipola, who would, I think, be the second most experienced bloke in the side, goes and does exactly the same thing mere weeks out from the Rugby World Cup. Now, when it's your leaders doing that, Smithy, you have enormous cultural issues within that side because it's your leaders who set the tone, it's your leaders who set the standard. When it's Vunipola and Farrell who are now facing a lengthy sideline ban, um, your, your entire ecosystem is in peril to me. The interesting thing about that, if you look at their group, they're probably, uh, they will be tested by Argentina, most sides are, but they're probably mm. going to get away with these, um, these indiscretions, I would think, if, if the punishment doesn't go much past that. Yeah, look, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I mean, I covered a lot of the Pacific Nations Cup and the Samoan games in particular, watched their last game and commentated their last game against the Barbarians, which is their final warm-up game. So they've got a few weeks now to just sort of sit down and or work hard, should I say, before they have to get into action against Chile. But, you know, England, Japan, Argentina, Samoa, Chile, you would think that England and Argentina are the two that escape out of that pool relatively unscathed. Uh, but Steve Borswick's going to have to find a game plan that suits at the moment because it, they just look all at sea, Smithy. They don't look mm. like they quite understand what's happening. And, and I dare say that there's probably some PTSD among the group after years of Eddie Jones. But, um, look, they've, they've got to get over that pretty quickly. Um, and Japan may be the team there to spring a surprise. I, I don't know if Samoa's going to have enough on the tank, and, and Chile certainly... Uh, well, look, they, they're likely to be the whipping boys of that pool. So, um, yep, I, I think you're right, Smitty. They will get out of the pool, but then after that, all bets are off. 
Interesting result over the weekend. It's pretty hard, Scotty, to read too much into these uh, these uh, pre-tournament matches. I mean, the scoreline, I, I guess, is important to those that win. 25-21, uh, Scotland over France. Uh, Scotland's pool is an interesting one because there's a, there's a hint of the death about it with South Africa, Tonga, Romania, and, of course, Ireland. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, Scotland have a real red-hot crack here, I think. They, they really do. They, they can't, they've gone under the radar. They, that game against France, Smithy, I, I don't know what they, the France makeup was. I still don't think they've really settled on what their top team is. But it's a confidence boost for Scotland. Um, they've got Brad Moore, in fact, in their coaching group, who was uh, jettisoned mm. by, by the All Blacks last year. So um, I've spoken to him a couple of times. He said, look, it's a, it's a great vibe in the squad. Everyone's very confident about what they can do. Are tough, very tough to have to go past South Africa and Ireland, two of the best teams in the world, but not without merit as an outside pet, Scotland, for me. Right, OK. Um, that's an interesting uh, group from uh, my point of view as well. And uh, I also look at uh, Ireland's group there. They've got, uh, uh, well, they've got the same pool, of course, but um, South Africa might be a team under a bit of threat here then if the home nations get their act together or keep their act together, put it that way. They will have to get their act together, and I think uh, they would have all had one eye on that game against Wales uh, from a South African point of view, Smithy, because that South African team, uh, as we know so well, mate, we've covered a lot of South African test matches in our time and been around that group, and, and we know how tight they are. Um, that was a phenomenal performance against the Welsh side that, like England, doesn't look like it's got a game plan going at the moment. And, mm. and that also brings around an interesting point too, Smithy. Now, Wales have gone back to the future with Warren Gatland. Uh, obviously, Australia have suffered this year under Eddie Jones. Um, New Zealand have said to Ian Foster, well, this is the, your last dance with the All Blacks. There, there's also a, a kind of existential excitement about the future of, I think, top-flight coaches after this World Cup. Mm. There's a number of coaches who have, I think, made a lot about the fact that, you know, you've got to be in the seat before you can be in the seat, that sort of nonsense that comes with international coaching. Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on these guys now because... They've said for so long that we're the international coaches. We're the only guys who can get these teams over the line. Well, there's a number of them now under severe pressure to have their teams perform. Yeah, absolutely right there is. And uh, I would imagine uh, that uh, the French coach falls into this uh, category as well because uh, I think seldom have uh, France um, been as highly rated going into a World Cup as this. They're playing at home. Uh, they have uh, a pool which includes us, of course, and then, of course, uh, they'll get by Uruguay, Italy, uh, you would imagine, and Namibia. But they have to do it now without Intermac, and they have to do it without Cyril Bay. Mm, oh, the Intermac loss is huge for France. Uh, look, they ran their game off DuPont and Intermac, there's no doubt about that. If they were to lose Antoine Dupont, it would be a very different story to me. I think he's the best player in the world. But um, I just uh, I, I think confidence is growing in New Zealand, Smithy, and I'm sure you've sort of felt that as well over this season, this uh, truncated international season. Um, New Zealand play at their best when they don't fear what the opposition is doing. And I think we've been through a period in New Zealand rugby where we've become reactive where all of our attention is focused on what the likes of Ireland and France are doing as opposed to being the innovators in the game, which is, I think, what New Zealand's place in world rugby has been for a very long time. So I don't think New Zealand will go into that opening game against France thinking, oh, well, we're done here, we're screwed. But it will be a test, and a torrid test at that. But we only have to look back four years, Smithy, uh, to look at the champion, and they also lost their opening game of Rugby World Cup and went on to win the whole thing. Mm. So... I don't think we should put too much stock in the very first game. Uh, I think we've got to look at the last three. That leads us to, to us then. 
And uh, that mm. means that uh, we've got an, an important engagement as such with the Springboks at to Twickenham. One where we don't want to lose key players through injury, but one we don't want to lose sight either of combinations, etc. What does Ian Foster and Co do here with this game? Yeah, I'm intrigued, and I think, uh, well, I can sense that you are too, Smitty. Um, I don't think Ritalik will play, but I spoke to Brady Ritalik on Friday, and, and look, he says his knee's pretty good. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Ritalik lining up for the All Blacks, at least in that opening World Cup clash. Um, I, look, I think they've done a good job in testing combinations throughout the Rugby Championship and the extra Bledisloe Low Cup. I think they will settle on, on a halves combination, which we know so well. Uh, Smith and Moonga will be in there. Um, and then the bench makeup will be interesting. Sam Kane is crucial to this team. I, I know Sam Kane has his critics and his detractors, uh, but I just feel that, that Sam Kane and the way he plays the game at seven is the fulcrum uh, you know, from which this entire all-black team operates. Um, and I, I think that the double playmaker role has settled down a little bit. It's not as obvious as it once was. They're not trying to crowbar two into one anymore. So I, I think they will keep refining how that looks between uh, Moonga and uh, Bowden Barrett. Uh, I think the midfield is still just... Uh, I don't know if they've fully settled on a midfield with An- uh, Anton. Then Brown moves out the centre where they stick with Rico Yuani there, who's, who's maybe not just as defensively sound as Leonard Brown, but... Geordie Barrett picks himself, and I think they'll want to see him go again. Uh, you can't go into these games thinking about injuries, can you? You've got to go out there and play your game, and, and it's the last hit out. I think they'll be, they'll be wanting to make a statement at Twickenham, um, and that's exactly what they'll try and do. There's no love lost when these two teams face each other. So if you look back on the times you've been involved with the All Black World Cup squads, if you remember back to 2011, 2015, uh, yeah. 2019 even. How, do, how well do you think we're positioned? Uh, better than we were. And, you know, look, I, I sat down with Sam Kane for, for One News Digital NZ on Friday. And, and, you know, look, he's a, he's a pretty honest operator. And I've got a lot of time for him as a leader as well, Smithy. And, you know, he, he made mention, as Ian Foster has too in, in recent interviews, about the fact that this team's been through a lot. Um, and Sam Kane's words were, I, I don't think an all-black side's gone into a World Cup having faced more adversity in the last couple of years than this one has. Um, and to a point, he's right. I think that this team has, um, has seen just how uh, cutthroat and brutal uh, professional sport can be. Uh, I think they've been humbled. Uh, somewhat by the Island series and then that loss in South Africa and everything that's been happening off the field. Um, and, and watching them made in the lobby as they were all getting their gear and putting their bags on, look, there was a sense of um, you know, a boys' own adventure here. I, I think they feel mm. pretty good about the game plan. And, and importantly, Smithy, uh, there's an enormous amount of trust in this coaching group. There is no doubt in my mind that, especially for the Fords, uh, Jason Ryan has, has just brought an entirely new dimension to this team. Um, he's such an upbeat guy. Um, I know you've you've met Jason a number of times too, Smithy, in your role as a sideline commentator and through uh, work on the TV. And look, he's just a he's a hype guy. He just loves the culture. He loves the team, and and these players are responding, and that's good to see. And that's all you can hope. Right, let's throw your summer hat on if we can. Uh, your uh, floppy, your floppy on, and, and let's look at the other World Cup, which is yeah, not too far no. around the corner. Um, no. And, uh, okay, we. We got up against um, the UAE overnight, and uh, this is a, yep. a bit of a patchwork side in terms of the World Cup. So we, we got there, but uh, we, now we head to England for some really serious stuff. And it's a World Cup really is, is hinging a lot around uh, perhaps the availability of Kane Williamson. I'm not sure if you've heard anything there, but signs are a little bit more encouraging. 
Yeah, but in typical Kane Williamson fashion, Smithy, and, uh, and you know him so well, um, he's not likely to say anything until one day he just appears in the team. Uh, that's just typically Kane. Uh, look, he's batting, he's in the nets. Uh, I think he's feeling pretty good. I, I think I think the lack of noise around Kane Williamson is the most encouraging thing of all. Um, just letting him get, get on with his rehab, making sure he's in the right space. Uh, look, he'll be huge. You know, the, the return of Trent Bolt from the International Wilderness is both a mature decision from New Zealand cricket and I think a necessary one. Um, it will be the last World Cup featuring Southie and Bolt together, um, and what a talismanic uh, duo that has been for this, you know, this golden period of New Zealand cricket over a long time. Um, I, and I think there's still some tinkering to do with that batting lineup, Smithy. Um, you know, is there room for a Chapman to spring a surprise in one-day cricket? Oh, he was outstanding for the side in the T20 series in the UAE, and I know it's not a marquee tour. Um, but look, he, he might get another crack in the T20s in England, um, but is he a sort of guy who, who might fit the mould somewhere in, in one-day cricket? I'm not entirely sure. There's some players in there, obviously, that will pick themselves. Um, I still think there's, a, there's one spin option lacking, but um, that, that's something that they can work on this Tour of England. It's, it's not going to be like-for-like like in terms of conditions, uh, but certainly the match-up's great against an England side that um, New Zealand always loves to face. And uh, we can't uh, let you go without uh, just... Uh crystal balling a little bit towards our home summer of cricket of course uh, TVNZ you've been involved with Spark uh, throughout as well but TVNZ who have now uh, got the rights for uh, two to three years free to wear how's uh, developments coming along there? Look, I think pretty good, Smithy. Um, you know, look, we're, we're excited, um, and I think that the fans will be excited about free-to-wear coverage. Um, I, I think it's great for the game, and all bias aside, um, it is kind of wonderful to have um, sport free on television again and on digital through TVNZ+. Plus. So, look, we're looking forward to the tour. Um, it was somewhat disheartening to, to hear word out of South Africa that it might not be a top-flight test team coming to New Zealand um, due to their T20 league, which, of course, is owned by the same uh, blokes who own the IPL franchises, which um, read into that mm. what you will. Um, but we all know that's kind of the nature of things. But, but a test series at home against South Africa, a test against Australia... I mean, this um, this takes me back to some great summers of cricket in New Zealand, and um, you know, I'm sure the fans will engage, and of course, uh, the domestic Super Smash as well, which which I think is a cracking tournament, and um, you know, we always love getting amongst it, and there'll be some new venues this year for Super Smash, or at least some venues that we haven't seen on our screens for a long time, which is also exciting for the game too. So. Uh, as always, Smithy, looking forward to it. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of water to go under the bridge for this New Zealand side, first and foremost. But it all starts with the White Ferns in action uh, in December in New Zealand and, and takes us through to March. So it's another great long summer of cricket and uh, hopefully the fans will get amongst it. It never stops, and thank God it doesn't. It's just absolutely fantastic. Um, <laughs> we'd, we'd, be out of, we'd be out of work, mate, if it did. <laughs> we might well be too. Um, yeah, you're right there. Hey, hey, look, great to catch up with you. Uh, have a terrific, uh, terrific day and a terrific week going forward. And so uh, we'll look forward to your involvement in the World Cup as well, Scotty. Uh, fantastic. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Smithy, and have a great day, all your listeners out there. Cheers, mate.